we're reading John 18, 33 through 40, and then chapter 19, 1 through 16, so bear with me. Okay, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in them. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in an Aramaic, Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Whew. All right. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll dig into this. Jesus, we love you so much, God. Lord, thank you for tonight. Lord, thank you for every student that's in this room. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would be near to us. I pray that um, you would just speak to our hearts, Lord God, that you would speak through Derek and I, Jesus. Um, and Lord, that every word that we speak tonight would glorify you. We love you, Jesus. We just lift tonight up to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. So, if you know my husband, Derek, you know that he is one of the most hardworking, passionate, 
goofiest people you've ever met. Yeah. So I found this out seven years ago on our first date. Derek had asked me out, and we were going to a very fancy sushi restaurant. <laughs> I had been on quite a few first dates before, so I kind of knew what to expect. So I wore this cute summer dress. I even wore heels, so ladies, you know what that means. Like, I knew I was there dressed to impress. And Derek was dressed up too. I remember he was wearing khakis and a button-down shirt and brown dress shoes. I'm just dressed up for you. So we walk into this restaurant, and it is nice, okay? I mean, there is mood lighting. There's candles on all the tables. All the waiters are dressed in all black and slacks. Um, and so I know that Derek is about to drop some serious money on this dinner. So the hostess walks us, <laughs> walks us over to our table. Derek pulls out my chair, and we put napkins in our lap. So you know we fancy. So you can imagine my utter shock and disbelief as I'm sitting under the mood lighting, listening to classy jazz, jazz music as we wait on our food, and I look over at my date, and he breaks apart his chopsticks, shoves them under each side of his upper lip, and begins to bark like a walrus. I am not kidding, and I almost walked out on our first date with him. And um, I also brought chopsticks tonight, in case you wanted to recreate the night. Yeah, go ahead. This is what it looked like, and a lot of loud barking in a very nice restaurant. <laughs> he didn't know I was bringing chopsticks. All right, so somehow he got me to say yes to a second date with him, and now we're married, so there's hope for all of you guys out there. But needless to say, that was not the interaction I was expecting for my first date with Derek. And just as I was not expecting to see Derek acting in that way, Pilot in this text had experienced, he had experienced before countless interactions with people who were in Jesus's position, but never had he seen them act as Jesus did nor would he, ever, would, would he have ever expected them to. And so to expound on this a little bit more, Derek's gonna come back up. Like they would say about Batman, I wasn't the boyfriend she wanted, but I was the boyfriend she needed. Um, so, also that story was 100% true. Um, which is kind of funny, she didn't have to exaggerate. Uh, so, um, yeah, we're gonna look at what uh, does this interaction with Pilate say about Jesus? Like to how you were saying, when we look at the conversation uh, with Pilate played out, we can easily deduce that Pilate couldn't believe such a strong, dignified man would stand in silence as these accusations were made against him. Uh, it says he was amazed. C.H. Spurgeon says he had, Pilate had seen and captured Jews the fierce courage of fanaticism but there was no fanaticism in Christ. He had also seen in many prisoners the meanness which will do or say anything to escape from death, but he saw nothing of that about our Lord. And like I said, as the, the, it says that Pilate, the governor, was amazed. He marveled at this. And it was at this point that Pilate had encountered the patience of Jesus. When Pilate asked Jesus if he was king, Jesus answered by claiming kingship in the realm of truth and admitted that his purpose on earth was to witness to truth. Pilate then asked the words he quickly realized he's not ready for the answer to when he said, what is truth? 
if we notice right after he asks the question, he immediately moves on. He actually walks into a different room. He recognizes that he lives in a world and the way he views the world is so untrue and there's something very different, very innocent about this Jesus that is standing before him. Spurgeon goes on to say, Pilate saw in him unusual gentleness and humility combined with majestic dignity. He beheld submission blended with innocence. It was at this point that he had encountered the purity of Jesus. Going forward, in the interaction in Luke 23, Pilate actually, uh, in a different account, Pilate actually sends Jesus to Herod, a king in the realm, to attempt to avoid all responsibility after the initial interview and completely was shaken. We could say in these days, Pilate was shook, so he tried to send him somewhere else. Uh, but Herod actually sends him back to Pilate, and once again, Pilate is faced with a decision that ultimately he will be forced to make. Pilate had all the evidence he needed to do the right thing, to release Jesus. He even came to and publicly declared the verdict, this Jesus was innocent. He said, I find no fault in him. But the crowd fights back, which leads Pilate to a second private conversation with Jesus in which he tries to bring Jesus into the reality of the situation because at this point, he's like, this guy must not know what's actually happening. And this is where Pilate tells Jesus, look, I don't know if you get what's happening here, but the person standing in front of you, me, is actually in control whether you die or not. To which Jesus says, the power you have is only given to you by the one who holds the true power, my God. A when you look at the situation, that is a just incredible response that Pilate could not have expected. And it was at this point that Pilate encountered the power of Jesus. So a show of hands, who here has seen the Grand Canyon? Not in pictures, who's been there? We're close to it, so I figured I'd get a good amount of hands. Um, so for everybody else, you've probably seen pictures, you've heard things, and I had seen a lot of pictures, heard a lot of things, and when I, had, when I was going to go to the Grand Canyon, I had this image in my head of what the Grand Canyon would look like, something like this. Like, it, sorry, it's really pixelated. I had, to, I had to develop it on Minecraft before I got here. And just <laughs> but, um, like, it's really cool. Like, look how high up that is. That's really awesome. There's this beautiful landscape. It's something like, wow, I'll remember that if I go and see it. But, as y'all who've been to the Grand Canyon might know, no matter how many pictures you see, no matter how many things you hear, it actually, compared to this, looks something like this. The next picture. <laughs> and it's so much further beyond anything you could have imagined, being that what you imagined, what you've seen in pictures, was so amazing, to where this picture, if you've been there, possibly doesn't even do it justice. Um, because the Grand Canyon is one of those things, if you've ever talked to people who've been there, it, it just, it's different. They go, you have to see it. You know what I mean? Like, you, you go and it's bigger than you thought in any picture, no matter if it was on 4K, 8K, or Minecraft. Like, it, it's bigger than any picture. It's more majestic than anything else you've ever seen. And, it, and it's more beautiful and just incredible than anything that anybody could have said or any other secondhand image you could have been given. And it's cool because this interaction, 
Pilate had with Jesus brought him to very much a point like that. It was here that Pilate realized that mere whispers and speculations about Jesus, because he did have knowledge about him, were no match compared to the very real and astonishing presence of Christ. He heard from everyone else about Jesus, but by simply standing in the presence of God, and now having light shed on who he really was, Pilate is confounded and confused for the first time about where his convictions about him actually lie. And to kind of look at this a little more and unpack this a little more for what it actually means to us today and now and in this room, Natalia's going to come up and talk to us about that. Okay. So um, the religious leaders knew that the best way to influence someone like Pilate, the best way to push him um, in a certain direction was by the voice of the multitudes, right? That's why they kept having the Jews shout back their own convictions about who Jesus was. So... Oftentimes, we too hear things about who Jesus is, and we let other people influence our belief or unbelief. Sometimes we're so heavily under their influence, in fact, um, that we can't see reality rightly. But only in the presence of Jesus himself can we make a sober and well-founded decision. And make no mistake, we must make a decision. We cannot pass it off just as Pilate couldn't pass off his responsibility to Herod. And we must make the decision for ourselves. Otherwise, all we have is what my friend Borum calls secondhand faith. So there are some things that are great to have secondhand, right? For all the ladies in the room, we know this includes clothes. How many of y'all know Patsy? There's Patsy. Okay, so Patsy is one of the greatest thrifters I've ever met, and I envy her ability to walk into a secondhand store and find the cutest clothes for the cheapest prices. Literally blows me away every time. And this is especially true for you ladies that wear designer labels, or men, you're not excluded. So you're wearing them secondhand, right? So you look like 100 bucks, but you've only spent about 30. It's a great deal. Another thing that's great secondhand, which hopefully we can all appreciate, is books. One of my favorite things to do is to walk into Coas or Revival Fire and find an old dead guy or old dead girl author that is rare and that I love. And it's not even about the money with secondhand books, right? I love that feeling of opening a secondhand book and sometimes finding someone's bookmark or a note to the receiver of the book in the front. I love the smell that it has as I flip through pages, that old smell. You know what I'm talking about. And I even love when I find someone else's thoughts written in the margin as I'm reading it to give me new perspective, right? New books may look great on a coffee table, but secondhand books feel so great in my hands. (laughs) So however, (laughs) there are other things that you don't necessarily want secondhand or even gently used, right? Like a toothbrush, for example. (laughs) I'm married and I still don't want my husband's secondhand toothbrush, okay? Or underwear or gum, I'm sure you can add to that list. There's just certain things you don't want secondhand. And Borum says this, a secondhand faith is just as bad. Yet numbers of us are content to take over from someone in whom we have confidence, a faith that is well-worn or outworn. I have a profound admiration for those Samaritans who, on the witness of the woman at the well, went to hear Jesus and then said to her, 
Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. They tentatively accepted her testimony, a secondhand faith is better than no faith at all, but the secondhand faith only fired them with an insatiable longing for a new one. So they went direct to the Savior. That's pretty cool. Um, so I'm going to invite um, Justin back up, and he's going to play as we close out. So I want to bring us back to John 18, verse 34 for a minute. It says, Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? This is the question that Christ asked Pilate, and that he continues to ask in response to our questions and statements about him today. If you don't know Jesus, and your thoughts have only come by what you have heard or what you have seen, then tonight I invite you to stand in his presence, ask him your questions, and ask Jesus to reveal himself to you, maybe for the first time. If you're sitting in this room and you would call yourself a Christian, but the majority of what you know or you claim to believe has been decided for you by someone else, then I invite you to stand in his presence and answer his question for you. Who do you say that I am? Whether it was Pilate or someone else standing in his place, the cool thing is Jesus would have gone to the cross. Not because a diplomat said so, but because that was God's plan all along. Jesus wasn't sent to the cross because Pilate was so bad. Jesus was sent to the cross because Jesus is so good. And Pilate's power lied in his ability to give men death, but Jesus' beauty lies in his ability to give men life. And that is who you have the opportunity to meet with tonight. So I'm going to pray to Jesus, and when I'm done, the altars are open down here for you to come meet with him. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight, Lord. God, thank you that you are the same Christ that stood in front of Pilate and gave him a chance to decide on you. Jesus, thank you that you still wait for us to decide on you. Thank you that you're not okay with us having a second-hand faith, but you want to know us personally. Lord, that you want a real relationship with us. And so, Lord, I just pray that tonight our hearts would be so open to you, Lord, would be so open to hear your voice. God, that we would hear you speak more clearly than we ever have before tonight, Jesus. That we would come and stand before your face and come to know you for the first time, Lord God. That we would come to know your patience and your purity and your power, Lord, and all the characteristics that are about you, Lord God, that we can't see in anybody else or hear from anybody else. And so, Lord, um, I just pray that your spirit would be here tonight as we meet with you, Lord Jesus.